Hey, you know, this morning, we're so glad that you're here. Um, we, sometimes we'll say it as Melekaliki Maka. Sometimes we'll say it as Krisumasu Omerito. Sometimes we'll say it as Shengdanjie Kwai Leo. And if I massacred that Mandarin, I'm sorry about that. Sometimes we say it Feliz Navidad in Spanish. We say it Krisumasu Injema in Swahili. We say Maligayang Pasco in Tagalog. Or maybe in Korean, we say, Krisumasu Kaibo Naseo. Now, all those languages are the heart language for people in this room, from different places and different places around the world. But aren't you glad that it means Merry Christmas in whatever the language, and that God knows your heart this morning? We're so glad that you guys are here. Hey, you know, one of the things we did last night was we, we talked about doing a, a Christmas offering at, that uh, up front, that I talked about it. Uh, but you know, one of the things we forgot to do was actually take an offering. So, uh, so what we're going to do is I'm just going to explain real quick is that we, we do a number of things and some of those are outreaches and missions and things in Myanmar. And you guys have seen maybe some of the videos of lives that have been impacted, literally lives that have been saved and lives that have been saved eternally, uh, of kids that have been fed in, in a war torn, uh, an area and on our ongoing ministry, we have boots on the ground that are there 24 seven. And it's because of the contribution and the partnership of people like you. And so uh, part of that goes to things like that, things that we do in Fiji and things that we do locally. And lately, locally, there's been a number of things that have happened. There was a, a family in Eva who, who uh, lost a home through fire. There's been a number of situations in people that we use for benevolence. And so um, it's really, this is the thing that we're just saying, if you want to just make a difference, and it, it doesn't necessarily go to, uh, doesn't at all go to the operation of the church, but it's something that will take place outside of the church. This is what the Christmas offering is for. And so often... Um, you know, we, we get Christmas presents for each other, or how many of you guys, we, sometimes we get Christmas presents for ourselves, right? But this is an opportunity to say, hey, Jesus, that you said that whatever we do for someone else, you know what he says? I take it personally, because it's like you did it for me. And so that's the, that's the spirit in which that we're taking the Christmas offering. And um, so if you guys wanted to do that, uh, we're, there's a few ways that you can do that. If you want an envelope, just raise a hand uh, when some of the folks will give you an envelope. But uh, if you're a little bit more tech-oriented and you'd like to use our online giving, and you can do that throughout, uh, you know, till the end of the year, that you, what you can do is go to our online, uh, church online, a giving platform. You can give that way. Or if you want to use a text to give, that's actually the way that uh, my wife and I most normally give, and uh, just go text to give. And that when you do give, though, whether it's in, uh, it's in an envelope or it's any of these formats, if you want it to go to the Christmas offering, we have a very complicated line that you need to write, Christmas offering. Right. So, uh, and, and then all that will go to some kind of an outreach, some kind of a means to, for us to participate, be generous when people are in need. And so I just want to pray for that uh, for a second, and then we're going to continue on our gathering. Father, we're so thankful that, that Lord, that Christmas, it, it is, it's such a powerful and meaningful time for us all. But Father, we're thankful that you take it personally, that you take it personally, that when, when uh, someone who is hungry is fed, when someone who is uh, 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 in the midst of a difficult time, that someone comes alongside and we want to be that kind of a people that 
are able to stand with people in our community as well as to stand with people uh, that we've been reaching out to, that we've been developing and strengthening along the way. So, Father, I thank you for those who give today. We pray that would you not just bless the offering, but would you bless the giver. And we're so thankful that we get to participate with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, uh, again, Merry Christmas. My apologies if I slaughtered uh, your language uh, in which that you say Merry Christmas. But you know, Christmas uh, celebrates the Savior all over the world. In some places, it's already Christmas, right? And in all these languages that are spoken here, I know there's probably more. And yet at the same time, there's a sense of, of whether we're here or we're in different places around the world that Christmas is met with a lot of anticipation as well as reflection. It's met with anticipation culturally, I think, because we all look forward to seeing friends and family. And uh, we know that there's friends and family who are, who've been out of town, have come into town. Uh, and if that's you this evening, uh, this morning, you just want to raise a hand. We want to just say welcome. Man, we're so glad that you guys could come, right? I see sons, including my own. I see parents. I see siblings. I see all these things that have, uh, people have come, and sometimes it's so nice to uh, see family come together. Uh, we're all looking forward to that kind of a time. And maybe you're looking forward to a celebration tomorrow, gifts under the tree. But to those of us who know Christ, it's also this massive invitation to worship. And we're also called, I think, to reflect, right? Not just on the time together, but but what is the meaning of Christmas and why are we celebrating? And there is an objective meaning for Christmas. And Christmas might mean uh, different things to different people and different places and, and different backgrounds. But at the same time, there is an objective meaning for Christmas. Because Christmas is not obviously just about decorations and lights, although you might like them like I do. But, but it means that the God who created all things would choose to be with us and become one of us. That he would choose to walk in our shoes and go to the cross to do something we could not do so that we could be reunited, that we could be connected and, and rescued from those things by which we could not save ourselves. And we're going to start with some details of that Christmas story this morning. And, and, and we're going to begin by just looking not at the the pregnancy and the birth, we talked about that last night at candlelight, but we're going to talk about it uh, in, in probably in the, in the, the, the last, the, the days right after uh, the birth of Christ. And we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 2 as kind of our lead in. And so would you be kind enough, would you stand with me this morning and then would you be kind enough uh, to join me as we read? This is God's word and as we're standing in reverence for him. Ready? Let's read. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And at that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king to the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship. And you know, in this, in this place, what we see is as languages from all over the world were even spoken at that time. Many people came from far and wide to come and honor the birth of Jesus. And so before you're seated, would you do me a favor? Would you turn to your neighbor and say, God always honors those that honor him. And then you can have a seat. 
And when we take a time to honor him, that God says he honors us. And, and what we'll see this morning is that the wise men, the wise men are, were really just, they're, they're courtesans, really. They're, they're parts of a royal court in the, the, the um, kingdoms of the Medes and the Persian Empire. And if they came from the ancient capital of that Persian Empire, they would have walked literally 1,300 to 1,500 miles just to get to Jerusalem. And it's, a, it's, it's not an ordinary road, it's not a well-trafficked route, uh, road, but it was a trade route along the way. And you know, the thing is that when good things happen, the word gets around, doesn't it? Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, the word gets around. Sometimes the word that we want to go around is good news, right? Not the bad news, right? Not all the stuff that you get caught doing. It's the stuff that, that, that we want people to know. And so the word got around that the king of, of the Jews had been born. Originally, that term magi was exclusively spoke about those who could interpret dreams. And and maybe we become reminiscent that we see in the book of Daniel how the prophet Daniel uh, had the capacity, a God-empowered and given capacity to interpret dreams. That God can give everybody uh, an, an ability that's beyond their own ability. And so we see that he was part of that kind of a realm. And and then the word began to broaden, and it began to interpret, uh, be, be marked with guys who were astrologers, and that they read the signs, and they had some kind of uh, abilities in that way, and they were sages, and, and who gave guidance to a king. And so we see these people, they, they're, they aren't the Jewish people, but, but God isn't concerned simply with one race. He's concerned with all people. And so we see him inviting them, even in this beginning. And then it says... That why would they come? And, and part of that is because the scriptures were well known throughout the whole uh, kind of a um, Middle Eastern area that there were, there were prophecies that the prophets had wrote about 700 years. The, the prophet Ezekiel was well known. The prophet Isaiah was well known. And maybe these magi had read those. And maybe those magi were aware that it says that that. All right, the Lord himself will give you the sign. He says, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Or maybe we see later in that very same book, he says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders. And they literally came to see someone who would rule a nation and would r- rise to rule the area. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And now, how did they come? Well, the scripture says, that, and that passage that we had read, was that they actually were following some kind of sign in the sky, right? And... Um, that when they were there, they're looking and they saw this sign that they said, this is the sign of this thing that had been prophesied. And so they eventually come to Jerusalem, basically knocking on the gate saying, hey, we're looking for the newborn king. And it says at that moment that it wasn't the most welcome news. In, in verse 3, it goes on and it says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. 
You know, why would they be disturbed? Well, one of those, if you live in the area, you didn't know maybe there was a coup, right? You didn't know that maybe there was an upheaval in the kingdom. And if you're the king, guess what? If you hear there's a new king born and there already is a king, uh, you get a little worried, right, about those things. And so it, it was met not necessarily universally joyful, right? But it, 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 it had a sense of unstable effect as well. And you know, one of the reasons that is, I think, sometimes, you guys ever notice that the people that are closest to you are sometimes the hardest to reach? You guys ever try to reach people around you, right? Some people, that the, the folks that you love, you try to, anybody try to, whether it's to, 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 to share the Lord with them or sometimes to get them to do something that you, anybody here invest in something? You go like, man, somebody ought to invest in this thing, right? And you talk to people, and the people closest to you, what do they say sometimes? Like, I don't know about that, right? And it's often the case. And people in Jerusalem were the same way. They had been surrounded by the prophetic word. They had been surrounded by this knowledge. And yet, they were the most skeptical. And so, but Herod is smart, right? He calls a meeting of the priests when he's presented with this um, this news, and he's, he's asked, hey, where, by the way, is this Messiah supposed to be born? And they tell him, hey, the, the word is clear. It says in the prophet Micah that, that, that in, it's in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what they wrote about. And, and he said, okay, Bethlehem, right? I got it. I got it. And so he comes back, and, and he's saying, you know, I, I'm not about to throw everything away, I think. So I, I want to find out where this king is myself. And so it says in verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, hey, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now, if you believe Herod's kind of an angle on that, then I got some land in Kaho'olawi I'd like to sell you this morning, right? But, right, because it's, it, it, was like the, it was like in the movies, right, where the, the evil guy is, is disguising his motives. But, but he says to him that he does want to know, and he did want to know. Now, some commentators, they, they try to, to date, when did this exactly happen? Because we may not know exactly when it happened, but we do know that it did happen. And most commentators will say between 4 and 7 BC. Now, some of those reasons are because looking back historically, we can see there are a number of kind of a celestial things happening that was just unusual at the time. Uh, there was a nova that the Chinese record in their uh, annals of what happened at that time that kind of detailed around 6 B.C., so that, that was happening at that time. Around, uh, around 7 B.C., there was a conjunction of the planets of Mars and Jupiter and Saturn that would have pointed like a triangle that they, some people think that that's what the Magi were following. Now, when this, is, this exactly happened, we don't know. But to be honest, I'm guessing it's obviously at least by 4 B.C. You know why? Because Herod dies in 4 B.C. So we know that he's already dead by the, by the end of the year. So it had to happen before he died. And it had to happen sometime before. But the reason I believe that it's also that time is not because of all the celestial things. Uh, because I'm not sure if that's what they really follow. It could be. But if we read on in the story, 
there's some things that go beyond the normal things that you might see in the sky. It says it like this in verse 9. He says, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east, you know, like, like the mariners who, who went from, uh, from Hawaii to, to Tahiti, right? They, how did they guide, get guided? By the stars, right? How did they originally come from uh, Polynesia to Hawaii? To, by the stars. He says, the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. But then it says something kind of weird. It says, it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. You see, you can look at the stars and figure out how to go maybe south to, to Hawaii Kai. But you know what I cannot get? I cannot get the address to your house <laughs> by following a star. And all of a sudden, something happens. It says that's plainly supernatural. Did God, whether he caused something to move in the sky that they followed, whether it was an angel, we don't know. But something unusual happens. You know, sometimes God uses unusual things to, to move us. God uses things that are, are things out of the ordinary for us to move. And then we find this situation in this situation, right? We, we find these wise men seeking a sign in which to follow. When they finally get to the house, it says this. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, the Magi's immediate response is to bow down to this child. Never says she bows to the mother. Never says he bowed to the father. It says they bow down to the child. This is kind of an unusual thing and and we see is it what is the reason for that we we see the story the story of christmas couched with joseph and mary and angels and shepherds and 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 magis and and parents and kings along the way but is this the the heart of the story of christmas i think it's part of the details but maybe there's an overarching thing that we might see as well. And some of that you could see, I think, maybe even in the gifts that, that were given. How many of you here, anybody here had a child recently? Anybody here? You guys don't want to raise your hand? I see, I know a bunch of you guys had kids recently. I see some of them sitting with you. But, uh, you know, the thing is that when you have a gift, how many, do you guys have a baby shower? Anybody get gold at that baby shower? Anybody get myrrh? Right? Like it's, not a, it's not average gift things or frankincense. Gold is, was a sign that they were often given as a kind of tribute to kings, right? It's the most valuable metal of, of that time, right? It's before we knew that all the kind of crazy metals that we have today. But, but it was the most ornate thing. It was used in, in jewelry. It was used as currency. It was used in, in, in adornment in, in, uh, in the, the greatest of palaces. And so they bring the child gold. And then they bring the child frankincense. You know, frankincense uh, comes from the resin of a tree um, in, in that Middle East area. And what they find that they used it for, they used it for perfumes and all those things. But it was one of the things that they used in the burning of incense uh, in the temple of the Lord. That it was one of the things that it was used that was to be part of a formula that was used strictly as a worship 
for God. And then we see this thing called myrrh, which is also a resin from a different tree and slightly further to uh, the east. And, and we find that used in a bunch of different things. But traditionally, it's part of the package in, in an embalming kind of a spice in that time. When they, someone passed away, they didn't, the, the Jews didn't embalm like the Egyptians, but they did wrap them in the midst of this spice. Now, some commentators will say, when you look at these things, try not to read too much into it because there's no way that the Magi would have known that, right? Just see it as like a valuable gift. But sometimes what we find in the scriptures is people do things and they don't even know the significance because they're fulfilling the word of God that they didn't even know they were doing. When Jesus is about to be crucified, the high priest who did not like Jesus, who saw him as a threat, said, for the sake of the nation, one man must die. And it says this, that he, being the high priest, spoke this without his knowing that would be prophetic of the reason God sent his son. You see, you don't always have to know what you're doing, that sometimes God uses even the things you're not aware of. And so we see in this aspect, I think, some hints about who it is that they came to worship, that he would be a king, that we see this aspect of divinity, and we see this aspect of a sacrifice. The next time Jesus receives myrrh is at his burial. And so this king who is born, the one who claims later or who has been spoken of, who has been the the king who is God, who will die, becomes part of the broader story. And so this morning, in our time together, I think we need to know our place in the story. You guys ever watch a movie and, and you find that, that you identify with a certain character? You guys ever do that? You know, um, Like we... One of my favorite movies, some of you guys know, it's not a surprise, Lord of the Rings, right? And then sometimes you wonder, who, which character we would ask, which one would you be? I, I probably wouldn't be Frodo. I wouldn't be the guy who wants to go all the way. But I, I might be the guy at that point who would stand with him because I, I tend to be that kind of a guy. I, uh, I might be a Sam. I'm not going to be, right? So sometimes we, we identify with different people. I do want to ask you this that if you were to identify with people that in this story that as we've told it this morning, there's some people that might identify with Herod in some sense because you run your own life. And I, as I drove to church this morning, I saw somebody said this, my life, my rules on the back of the car, right? That's the spirit of Herod that says this, that I'm in charge and no one's going to tell me what to do. And God gives us that ability to choose that. Thus as he gave Herod that. And so that is one way that you could go. Some people, you guys, everybody, anybody identify with Jesus? This is what happens when you identify with Jesus. Christmas is all about you, about getting gifts, and we celebrate that, right? You call that the Messiah complex. No, but like a, right? So most of us, we're not Jesus, right? We know this aspect. But something goes amiss 
when we become the center of this story. You see, I believe this story is given so that if we are to relate to anyone, that, that would we relate to the Magi, who may not have understood everything. They may not have had all of the background, but they knew something was different with Jesus and that they needed to see him. Because if we were to understand what this story is like from a bigger picture, we would have to actually read it in a different book in the Bible. We see this in the book of John, verses 1 to 5. It says it like this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That when we see this part, you know, it says the beginning was the Word, and you, you read quickly. I know there's a, a little bit of confusion if you've never read this before. When I first read this, I, I just said, wait, what? The Word was with God and the Word was God? And you know, I didn't understand. Well, what is that? But it's talking about Jesus. But it doesn't say Jesus. It doesn't say Yahweh. It doesn't say, why doesn't it say those things? Because that would have been very specific to a Jewish audience. But, you know, God was more concerned, not just simply, he was concerned with Jewish people, just as he's concerned today with Jewish people. But he was concerned with people beyond Jewish people. He was concerned with you. He was concerned with me. He was concerned with their neighbors. And so they use a different word. They actually use the word logos, which is the where we get the word word. And the word logos had a kind of a philosophical meaning that was around it. In that whole area, in the Middle East, in, in the Greek and Roman culture as well, that the word logos had struck a deep chord in every culture. And what it was used was to, to identify saying this, it's the rational principle behind the universe. The logos was called the source of life, which gives life and its reasonableness. Stoic philosophers who are not believers, and they're not Christians, but they believe that the Logos was an integrating principle behind the universe which makes the laws of nature and maintains order and gives it unity and coherence. And so if we were to read it like how they might read it, they might say this, in the beginning, was this rational integrating principle and the rational integrating principle was with God and that rational integrating principle was God. And all things came into being by this rational integrating principle and that rational integrating principle became flesh and dwelt among us. And what they're talking about, why does he talk like that? Because like when we said Merry Christmas in the morning, this morning. We could say, Merry Christmas. Mele Kaliki Maka. Christmas Omerito. Maligayang Pasco. Christmas in Gemma. 
right? You could say it in every language. And if I keep going, I'm going to really mess it up. So I, I'm going to stop wearing my head, hopefully. But why do we say it? Because sometimes there's a language that we all understand. And you know what God says? He understands your language. He understands your not. He understands you. And he, was he has come not for the pageantry, not for the, the family time. Those things are great, right? We love those things. But he came for us. He came for you. And so we see in this portion, it says it comes in, though, and the story continues. He says that he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. The same as today, that he's come into the world, but the world doesn't always recognize it. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But there's a nice, sometimes every once in a while, uh, you ever get in a conversation and somebody, yeah, 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 but you get, sometimes that's the point of contention, right? But sometimes the word but has a nice angle to it. And this is where he says but. He wasn't received. He wasn't honored by, by who? By Herod. By the people in Jerusalem. He wasn't welcomed. But, what does he say? But to all who believed and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Father's one and only Son. I think... If I were to say, what is Christmas about? Christmas is about God who loves people and seeing the situation before him, seeing at times our life, seeing at times our, our struggles, saying this, I love them, but they don't understand me. I love them, but it's hard for them to receive so I will step down from the universe, the one who had always been spirit, always been existent, became a little child, born in a manger. Why? So that the experience that we have with the king is not going to be a philosophy to be discussed a theory to be debated, a concept to be pondered, but the Word became a person to be welcomed, loved, enjoyed, and followed. And so that's the Christmas story in a nutshell. It's a little bit of a different kind of a story, I'm sure, uh, for some of us, but it's the story that the God who made you the God who made me understands me and he understands you because he's walked in our shoes. He's lived a life, a human life, but he was more than man. He was God who became man. 
The prophet said it like this. We read it earlier in Isaiah 9:6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor. That word wonderful is kind of like a, a miraculous counselor. Some of us maybe, I don't know, this morning, if you need wisdom this morning, you know what? You can call upon the Lord and find one who has some miraculous direction for you. He's going to be called what? The mighty God. I, I'm sorry, some of you, you know, we, we have amazing people in our life and there's some amazing people in your life, but have you ever called anybody that you know? You're a mighty God. Right? This is not stuff to talk about just regular people, is it? It's not talking about a baby that's just born like every other baby. But he's a mighty God. Then he becomes the everlasting father, the eternal father, the God who has lived forever. But I love with what it ends, the prince of peace. Because he came so that people could have peace with God, that they might have the peace of God. And this morning, our hope, our desire, is that as you leave, that you would have the peace of God because you have the peace with God. And that's the Christmas story in a nutshell. Would you bow your heads with me? You're going to close in a word of prayer. Father, sometimes in every story, we can get lost in the details. We can get lost in the details of some of the prophecies. We can get lost in the details of, of, of couples walking a, a long road and maybe having no room at the inn and angels and shepherds and kings and magi. And Lord, they are all part of that Christmas story, but, but the story that they paint is really a larger story. The story, Lord, that says that you really know us and you really valued us. And even when people couldn't understand all about you, like the magi, they didn't understand all about you. But something in them Something in them drew them toward you. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard the Christmas story told many times. You've heard about the baby in the manger. You've heard about the shepherds. Maybe you've even done that as a, as a child in a, as a church play. And that's really part of the story. It really is. But the bigger story the bigger story is the God who is eternal, the God who is creator, the God who made all things. That he would choose to change really just his, in some sense, the way he operated, the way he would relate by becoming a man, by becoming a person. So that if we wanted to understand what God thought, to be honest, See how Jesus thinks. That's how God thinks. If you wanted to know how he wants to deal with people, then see how Jesus treated people. 
And what we saw was that when people were at their weakest, like the woman caught in adultery, Jesus doesn't point his finger, though he would have every right to. And he doesn't point out her sin. He covers her. And he says, woman, woman, where were your accusers? And they had dispersed because of Jesus covering over them. He says, they have, they've left, I have none. And this is what he said, neither do I accuse you. That's God's heart. And then he says, go and sin no more. If you want to understand how Jesus acted, how we might act. We see he sacrificed. We see he gave. And he said to us, when you give to someone, even like a little child, like just to give him a, a cold cup of water, he says this, I take it personally. It's like you did it to me. Father, this, this morning, there's some of us that, Lord, we, we get so caught up in our lives and life gets so busy that it's easy to forget these things. But, Father, would you just strengthen us this morning? Would you remind us that in the busyness of life, you're still here. You just want us to attune our ears to your voice above all the craziness and the busyness of life. And if that's you this morning, you just said, Lord, my life's been so busy. Well, I've been so consumed with different things, but I know I need to learn to attune myself to hear you again, to seek you again. And maybe... You know, you've known him for a long time. It's just you haven't really sought him lately. If that's you this morning, would you just say, just raise your hand to God. Say, God, that's me. I realize I need to do that. Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful that you're patient. We're thankful that you're kind. And Father, would you renew hearts this morning that are, are seeking you afresh again? And maybe, Lord, there's people here that they haven't heard your voice in a way that that has really changed them yet and Lord it's really it's, it's not a feeling that you're looking for it's it's a choice it's a people that just respond to your invitation to relationship it's it's a people who would say, Lord, that when you extend your hand toward us, that, Lord, we would take your hand in friendship, Lord, in trust. At the same time, recognizing the friendship we have is not an equal friendship. It's with the king of the universe. It's with the God who made us and the God who called us. So, Lord, there's an implicit sense we understand. This friendship with you is, Lord, that I, I need to surrender a bit. We know Herod wasn't willing to surrender. 
But I thank you, Lord, that I know there are folks this morning that that much wiser, that are that are much more aware. Father, thank you that you open our eyes this morning. Even as we slow down in the midst of the Christmas craziness and busyness, because the real reason you came was for us. And if you wanted to respond to that, we're going to just pray a very simple prayer. And would you join me this morning? Lord Jesus, thank you that Christmas is about you. And it's not just about you. We have a part in the story. And you came for me. So today, I open my heart. And I give it to you. The one who knows me and who loves me. Thank you, Lord, that you can also forgive me. I confess that I've sinned. That I've not been perfect. And that I need you. So would you lead me today? And would you guide me today? Help me to understand the way you think. The way you feel. And the way you act. Because I want to follow you. In this life. And thank you. That there is an eternal life after this life that we can begin now as we come to know you in Jesus name Amen Hey can we congratulate those folks who said yes this morning Thank you for tuning in to the New Hope Kapolei Messages podcast We hope you enjoyed this weekend's message and that it brought you inspiration and encouragement in your journey of faith If you'd like to listen to more messages or stay connected with us, visit our website at newhopecapole.org or follow us on social media. Remember, no matter where you are in life, there is always hope and a new beginning in Christ. So let's continue to grow and learn together as we pursue a life of purpose and impact. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha and God bless.